1: And Tori.
0: Hello, Internet.
1: Uh, We are recording this on Mother's Day weekend, so Craig is unable to join us, um, but he'll be back next week or I'll murder him. Making it sound like we don't have mothers.
2: Do you?
0: I have a mother who is doing stuff tomorrow, so I'm recording today.
1: Same. Well, there you go. Uh, so every week we start with good thing. We are
0: also recording early in the morning.
1: Yeah, uh, there are
0: quotes around early because it's not that early.
1: There will likely be some morning brain issues, um, just like the last couple of times we've tried morning recordings. But anyway, we start every episode with good thing. So, Dave, what's your good thing this week?
2: My good thing this week. Is Final Fantasy fourteen, specifically the crafting in Final Fantasy fourteen. It's a lot of fun. You actually have that to put thought into it. You you can just kind of face roll it or go AFK craft a bunch of stuff, but you get better rewards, you get better experience points and better items if you actually do the little mini game that comes along with it. And it's a lot of fun and addicting and you know, it's it's worth doing. All right. I'm like and like certain other RPGs where crafting is just spend a thousand gold on the auction house and go AFK for ten minutes.
1: Have you ever played the 3DS game Fantasy Life? No. Sally like Carvest Moon? No. It's it's basically a single player MMO that's very crafting heavy. Huh. It it seems like it would be exactly up the alley that FF fourteen is is hitting for you, I, but without other people.
2: It, MMOs in general, I, I find the most fun content in in general. I guess the only I've only ever played FF fourteen and WoW, but uh, my favorite part of playing WoW was doing end game raids. And I haven't gotten the end game in FF fourteen yet, but I want there to be an end game crafting raid where just people are sitting around in a circle, like making lumber and (laughs) building stuff like as a raid boss somehow take raid boss mechanics like you have to move around and and drop the fire here and and have good coordination and timing
1: but instead of combat it's crafting so a good old-fashioned ff14 barn raising (laughs) i guess pretty much all right um check out fantasy life at some point i think i think it's it's up your same alley Sure, give me a DS. Uh, come visit me. We own it, and you can play it on mine. So, alright, my good thing this week, and I've been sitting on this forever because it has been a while since we were, we've we recorded, is the Washington Generals. Uh, do you guys know who the Washington Generals are? They're the not-Harlem Globetrotters. Exactly. They are the team who plays against the Harlem Globetrotters. Um, throughout the years, they have changed their name a few times to basically make it seem as though there's a larger, more robust Globetrotter League, but there isn't. (laughs) It's just the one team. Um, up until 2016, the Washington Generals were actually, like, owned by a separate, uh, company from the, from the Globetrotters, and they were just sort of contracted with them, which is buck wild. To my, to my thinking. Um, <laughs> so, in 2016, I guess that company like folded or went bankrupt or closed or something, and so the team stopped existing. Uh, in 2018, the Globetrotters actually bought the rights to the, the general's name and logo and all of that, and basically made their own general's team. So now both teams are run by the, the Globetrotters Corporation. Um, but that's, that's not really the good thing part of it. It's interesting, but it's not the good thing. The good thing is that in the history of these two teams, the Washington Generals have won three times versus the Globetrotters. Uh, two times were in the fifties and I couldn't really find any information on that. Uh, but one time was in 1970. I want to say one, maybe 1972. I don't have it up in front of me, but whatever. Um, Uh, The Washington Generals actually won a game against the Globetrotters. So the way all this works is the Globetrotters, when they have the ball, when they're on offense, uh, they do skits and stunts and basketball show things. Uh, They're not actually playing basketball. They're just, like, they're putting on a show for for the people. Mm -hmm. Um, So, like, they're allowed to break the rules. The Generals don't play defense. They just... They just do their thing, and it's an entertaining <laughs> Come
2: show. Come on! He's spinning the ball on his finger! <laughs> uh,
1: actually, yes, there's an episode of How I Met Your Mother that has, that has uh, Ted and Marshall going to a Globetrotters game wearing General's uniforms. And
2: That's funny. I was, thinking That's
1: of, I was thinking at the
2: time Krusty the Clown took all the money from his clown college and, and bet it on the Washington Generals. <laughs> I mean, they were due. Anyway. Was that was that before, and that's why he had to open the Clown College because he lost all his money betting on the Washington Generals, and they were <laughs> the generals for two.
1: have been one since nineteen seventy two, so Okay, so in this in this apparently nineteen seventy two game, um the the Globetrotters had apparently missed a few of their of their trick shots and the generals were having a really good night on on offense cuz when the when the generals have the ball they just play like normal basketball um and then the globe trotters played normal defensive basketball like half of the game is normal um but they got into like the last couple of minutes of the game and the globe trotters hadn't been paying attention to the score because why on earth would you possibly pay attention to the score at a globe trotters game <laughs> <laughs> uh, only to realize that they were actually behind by a few points, so the Globetrotters stopped doing their basketball skits and went and just played like normal basketball to try to make up the difference so that they didn't lose. Uh, and they just couldn't quite manage it, and the Washington Generals won that night. Which I can't decide if that would be the single greatest show to have ever been at. Or the most disappointing thing, to to have like paid money to be there for, and I'm I'm convinced that there's no middle ground here. It's either one or the other, but I can't decide which it is. So that was my good thing, Tori. What you got?
0: Wow, I was listening to you talk about the Globe Trotters and like had a total. uh, Hang on, morning brain.
1: <laughs> no, it's not that oh, early, Tori. Yes.
0: Right. <laughs> No, guys, I oh, got she, up at five yeah, every she's day been off this
2: for a week. While. She's ready for her afternoon nap. At I 10:00.
0: am. <laughs> yes. It's <laughs> nap time. It's up. No. Uh, so, my good thing, because again, it's been a couple of weeks since we recorded, my good thing is Avengers Endgame. No spoilers, but I loved it. I'm sorry. I'm basic.
2: By Orson Scott card.
0: I also like pumpkin spice lattes. So sue me. Like, I, I accept this part of myself. Anyway, I loved the movie. Uh, I told you guys last year for Infinity War that my awesome employer rented out a whole theater for us so we could all get discount tickets and go as, as a corporation on opening night. Well, they did that again this year for Endgame. So I got to go with all my library peeps and discount tickets on opening night. And it was super fun. And I had a great time. And also, now I can rewatch all of the MCU Because again, I'm basic. I like the MCU. And so I rewatch the Marvel movies over and over and over again. Except that I haven't for the past year. Because every time I tried to rewatch one of those movies, I would remember what happened to those characters at the end of Infinity War. And then I'd get sad. So, but now I can watch the movies again. It's great. I
2: have a question library owners can afford to rent out movie theaters?
0: Well yeah, you'd be surprised how much money we make on your late fees, people. <laughs> just return your books on time. Like, seriously, we so the library is funded with your tax dollars and that is what we use to uh to buy the books and maintain the buildings and, and mm-hmm. all of that stuff. Yeah, all and
1: of,
2: salaries and things too. I get yeah, that you guys do you the... guys do great work. You should definitely be getting paid.
0: Yeah, all of the extras, like this theater thing, and, uh, like, there are, first off, in in my city, at least, there are a whole lot of rich people that just like to give money to the library. Like, these are the people that have library buildings named after them. Mm Mm-hmm incidentally the same people also have buildings like at the city zoo and the parks and the aquarium also named after them so like they they've got money and a lot of oil money in my state so we we get let's see there's a library trust there's a friends of the library organization and then you know what there's a whole lot of money that just comes from late fees (laughs) just return your books on time people really like
2: But you count on that money. I'm just kidding.
0: (laughs) No, no, we really don't.
1: (laughs) So the wife and I went to see Endgame. Um, We went to a Thursday afternoon showing, so not our normal Tuesday $5. Uh, Between the tickets, one large drink, and one medium popcorn, it cost us $45 to see this movie. Yike, just use your student ID. Forty-five
0: it, dollars. It's God. been a while since Mike's student ID was valid. I.
2: <laughs> it, you could use man if it were. Like mean, you could get a, a VOD or something, rent it for five bucks, and buy some Orville Redenbacher or yeah, other like, or or Pop Secret or any other brand. You know, we don't we don't we don't have any particular popcorn sponsors yet. Uh, but you know, it's been a couple, yeah, it costs like 10 bucks to do it at home. It's crazy.
0: But the giant screen and the crowd and the experience, like
2: giant screen, I'll give you crowd. Right. about crowd. You got a private rent.
1: <laughs> I'm with Dave on this one. The, the giant screen. Great. The enormous surround sound system. Awesome. The, the other people there, not so much.
0: I mean, I guess it helped that I knew quite a few of the people, but it was fun. There there are a lot of great moments in the movie that had the crowd cheering and applauding, and it, it was fun to experience that with a big group.
1: So, alright. Dave, at some point in the past calendar month, you have read some chapters of Mistborn, right? Yep, chapters 7, 8, and 9.
0: That's a yeah. bold assumption of On you, Mike. <laughs>
2: I also read the entirety of Skyward. <laughs> um but alright. So yeah, uh actually a couple I like the fact we have two Tensoon chapters in this set, but also the Tensoon chapters are really short, so we have like maybe ten pages of chapters to read for this uh, for this recording. But we'll start with chapter seven. Tensoon is easier to say than or else the true body unbirth father is dead will there be a 12th generation all right so here we have Tensun getting ready to go to his trial and you know just kind of it's going to be building up the next scene which happens in chapter nine but uh we get a lot of conjure terms here so they call i guess lord ruler they call him father as they said he was the Creator of the Condra, and he's dead because Vin killed him. And they, they—I uh, I, think—unbirthed refers to the Mist Raid. Is that right? I don't. Really yes, remember. it does. Okay. And then there's also this thing called a true body, which you know the the higher ups, you know, especially the first and the second generation, uh, remember that Tensoon is a third, just like Ender, and Tensoon is a third generation. So Ender's not a third generation, he's a third child. Anyway, so they have these true bodies, the higher-ups, which most of them, they like to make them out of crystal so that they look pretty. Uh Tensoon later remarks that they're not really practical or sturdy, but they look nice. And, yeah, he's just wondering, since there's no Lord Ruler... Oh, there's, there's also a point that's made that he says that the the new chodra generations come every hundred years, and remember it's you know it's been a, a thousand years since race's ascension and there are eleven generations so that I guess kind of adds up, yeah that kind of adds up like right you know so maybe he, he just made, he had just made the eleventh generation before he died yep but he didn't take the power at the well, so I guess he doesn't need oh huh, that's interesting. I was wondering, Craig kind of blurted out before that the Well of Ascension is active every thousand years, even though it was, I don't believe it was explicitly stated in the book. But I was still thinking, oh, maybe, you know, when, when the well erupts, that's when he makes a new generation. But now that I'm doing the math, if he had just made the 11th one before the power came into the Well of Ascension, then I guess he can do it without using the well. Which means, huh. That is a valid assumption that may or may not be right. And it's uh and of course chapter seven Tansoon is just taking in his surroundings as he's getting ready to go to trial for his crimes against Chondramity.
1: Alright. Any questions about chapter seven? Um some minor corrections. Go on. Uh first off, you have not seen the first generation. Not on screen yet. Okay. Uh second you. is true bodies are not reserved for only the older generations. Pretty uh, much everybody in the Condra homeland wears a true body. Right.
2: They right, that makes sense. Okay. That's, I read, that's the, I, read far. The, I read chapter eight
1: maybe two weeks ago. So
2: or chapter seven.
0: It's been a while and we've all slept since then.
2: Some <laughs> of us less than others. So true. So, Alright, please continue. Combo um, multi world. Okay. A chapter eight Villeland leave the Titan. Vin hates killer Mists. Mist vaccine. Hugeman. Bivouacked. Canal. General Demo. Praise the survivor. Call a meeting to conquer the world. So here we have Villeland, uh, Vin Vin and Ellend are leaving the Titan and they're taking a able-bodied men that they can and Vin's just reflecting on how she hates the mist she used to love the mist and they, they betrayed her just like Kelsier did and just like just like Rean did sort of mm-hmm. um, there's also a mention that th- they have these, these people out in camps and they're they're basically making them stay out in the mists so that if they get attacked by the mist and they don't die they'll be immune to the mists later on so it's basically a missed vaccine It's just like hope they don't die but uh, those that survive you know the missed seizures apparently are immune to to the mist from that point on so uh you know they're just kind of like yeah you know, well if we leave them in their town they're definitely gonna die but if we bring them out here maybe we can inoculate them Looking just like them
1: being die. saved by spider-man you only get one missed seizure yep Really? Nothing for that? Uh,
2: I guess that's like a season. That's like season one, season two, Family Guy, so it's still good. Anyway, keep going. And I also wrote down the word bivouacked because I have no idea. Apparently, it means stay in a temporary camp without cover. It was a
1: new word for me.
0: I like that word. It's a fun word. bivouac.
1: It's got a lot of vowels in it. I've been reading fantasy and sci fi for. Basically, my whole life, it's come up pretty frequently under those yeah, conditions. Yeah, it's
0: not a new word for me, but <laughs> I do like it.
1: All right,
2: so Ellen and Vin and the people from Vertitan get to the canal and they run into General Demo, who's been eagerly awaiting their arrival to help them uh, take take the canal back up north. I think, oh, uh, whatever, the direct, whatever direction Luthadel is in, because the mists are less severe there. So they're taking the people, you know, toward the central dominance. So that hopefully they'll be able to grow crops, because, you know, they can't do it in the crappy other dominance, misty areas. And then Ellen tells Timo to send some messengers out and get everyone together. So. We can uh, go ahead and conquer town and the rest of the world where so that we have access to the ATM stash and all the information that Lord Roller has left behind. Chapter 8, in a nutshell.
1: Um. So, how do you like Vin's pet human? Oh, yeah, did I? Oh, that's what Hugeman
2: was. I called him Hugeman. Yeah, Hugeman, or human, as he calls himself. But I call him Hugeman because he's a colossal. Wow, okay. It has been a while and morning Brainy. So yeah, Vin also has a Kolos companion now. He calls himself human, and he seems more intelligent than the other Kolos, or at least more intelligent than people assume the Kolos to be. And he while being controlled by Vin's Almancy, he, he is still self-aware and he realizes that he's being controlled and can't wait to break free and go slaughter humanity. Uh so this guy is gonna be fun. <laughs> um but you know, Vin won over a Khandra, why not a Coloss? We'll see. Alright. Uh chapter nine. Okay. Chapter nine Three Metallic Arts Happy seven hundredth birthday, Tensoon Kan Par Milan. The seconds are in for a surprise. Okay, so this is a very quick chapter. I I set aside some time to read it last night, and I had to watch a bunch of videos on YouTube afterward because there was nothing else to do because the chapters was, chapter was so short. But anyway, we start off in the italic section with, I guess, Vin discussing how when Rayshet came to power, he got knowledge of the three metallic arts. We know, of course, there is Alomancy and farukimi And I assume that the other one is Steel Inquisitory. I don't know. I guess that would be the third Metallic art. So, you know, at, at one point, I had kind of surmised that maybe there is a third thing. And maybe that's it. That maybe that Steel Inquisitory was a third thing. and Maybe that's what this is referring to. And so we have Ten Soon. Just getting ready to take the stand. And I think, is this where he actually sees the first generation? Um, but anyway, he, he sees his girlfriend, Milan. She's a seventh generationer. Uh, Pen Soon likes uh, younger woman. I'm just kidding. I don't, I don't know. There, there isn't any kind of indication that there's a romance between them, but this is the the first time we get to see a confirmed female Chandra. We don't really get a description of her. We're, she has, or does she have, like, she has, like, a wooden true body. Like, her skeleton is made of wood, which is kind of rebellious. So, yeah, Tensoon realizes that the younger generations, he wants to influence the younger generations. If he has to go through a lifetime of torture so that he can spur on the younger generations to make his, you know, race evolve, then he he's doing that for the greater good. And right before he takes the stand, he says to himself that the second generation are in for a surprise. And maybe we will be too, because I have no idea what he's going to say. And that's the end of this week's chapters. I'm pretty sure I know what he's going to say.
1: Well, you've read the book before.
0: I I have no idea, actually.
1: Alright, so... Do you have any... Anything else with these
2: chapters? Um, it's just... You know, I'm, I'm looking forward to the Ten Soon chapters. So really, they're really interesting. Unfortunately, short, but, you know, I hope he doesn't just like, we get to like the climax of Ten Soon's chapters and then he, he trips and falls into a well or like a pool of oblivion or something. <laughs> <laughs> and that's chapter 12, Ten Soon's.
0: Ander- yeah. Anderson would never do that. <laughs>
2: uh, so it's, it, it's almost, the Tensoon chapters are almost kind of like acting like a montage, but they're full chapters, so I guess they're technically not montages. But we're only getting small snippets periodically. Uh, but yeah, I've been waiting to see what happens to Tensoon ever since the scene where he helps Vin to kill Zane. So, really. Yeah. Unfortunately, also, we yeah. don't
1: have like an ongoing Who's the condra thread in this book, so I don't have that to ask you. <laughs> no. Yeah.
0: The Condra yeah. chapters are short, but there's a lot of information and world building packed in there. Just
2: yeah, sure. Like,
0: like, we we are learning all about Condra society in when you look at it. What is very few words, and I just think it's very well done.
1: Yeah, we have this entire separate species that that we knew practically nothing about for two books, and now we get a look at their homeland. Yeah. So uh, I think
2: that we'll get a a little fun between Vin and Human, but uh, so apparently this is also revealed sometime in the last few chapters. The way Coloss are controlled, if you you know if you push or pull on them with intensity, either they learn through multiple alimentsers or by burning their element. Then you permanently get control of that coloss until somebody else takes over it, like you don't have to maintain that hold on them with by like, continually burning your stuff so that that actually answered uh, some questions before about how does Vin still have control over this kolos army you know at the end of book two, and how the Lord ruler kept control of his coloss yeah, well he also has steel inquisitors to do that, so I never really thought about that. But yeah, I guess that's true. If you if he sends them to the farmost dominance or wherever it was they were, and they're under Lord Ruler's command... Oh... And then the Lord Ruler died, and then Berserk happened. Then again, then again, there are the Steel Inquisitors. Well, they, they might not have known that much about it, though. But anyway, so, you know, instead of using the Colossus, he can have them tucked away somewhere where no one will find them and take control away from him, so... That makes sense.
1: All right. Anything else before we kick you off?
2: No, I think
1: that's about it. Okie doke. And adios to Dave. And we head into Spoiler Town.
2: This concludes the spoiler-free section of our podcast. If you are, as I am, reading along for the first time, we recommend that you stop listening now, as the following will contain spoilers for not only this book, but for other Cosmere books as well. There may also be general spoilers from any other source material. Spoilers begin now.
0: Hi Dave.
1: And Dave is gone and I can cut my thing in here and spoiler time. Uh so Tori, got any spoilers? Yes. Got any spoiler stuff to uh, talk about?
0: Um so I was talking about um the Condra chapters. Um I also wanted to talk about how we're being introduced to the Coloss like the conversation with human mm-hmm. my uh sorry my discord keeps going from green to red and green to red and i'm worried that i'm going to like fall off the server at any second now
1: uh thus far you have sounded clear so
0: okay good um but so yeah when uh ven is talking with human and is asking well where are the baby coloss? and we have no idea where the coloss come from at this point and it just makes it more horrifying when we actually learn.
1: Yeah, there's there's a point where they make new Condra or not new Condra, New Colos. And and that's just fun for the whole family. Um So I, like three episodes ago, uh announced that in the next episode I was going to talk about the Chondra blessings and then didn't, because I'm good at this. Uh so let's let's go over those real quick.
0: Yes, remind me about these condra blessings. I completely don't remember them.
1: All right, so these are the these spikes that give uh mistrace sentience and turn them into Chandra. Um there are two spikes per blessing and depending on what metal is used, um they provide different benefits. Uh so there are there's the blessing of awareness, which is done with tin spikes and gives the Chondra increased just general senses, uh, something akin to an Alamancer Burning Tin, um, probably at a lower level, but, you know, they can they can see and hear and smell better. Um, tensun does not have this blessing. Uh, next up is the Blessing of Potency, which is done with Iron Spikes, and gives the Chondra more strength, like that of an Alamancer Burning Pewter, um, again, not nearly to the same level, um, but a Kondra with the Blessing of Potency is going to be physically stronger than a Kondra who isn't, or a Kondra who doesn't have that Blessing. Um, this is, I want to say, the Blessing that Tensun got from Orasur. Is that correct?
0: I think that's correct.
1: Um, so, yeah. That's, that is one of the two blessings that Tensun has. Uh, next up is the blessing of presence, uh, which is a pair of copper spikes that grant increased mental capability. Um, this is, according to the Copper Mind, the ability to focus despite physical discomfort or distraction, exceptionally sharp memory, resistance to madness, and the inability to lapse into unconsciousness due to shock. Um, this is the this would be the blessing that uh, Tensoon was given upon his birth and has had for his whole life. So this is the, this is the one he started with and kept throughout. Um, the blessing potency was the one that he took from Orsor. Uh, finally, we have the blessing of stability, which is Zinc spikes, and this endows the its receiver with emotional fortitude. Uh, rendering them much more resistant to control by emotional allomancy. So if Tensun had had the blessing of stability, uh, it's possible that Vin burning Duraliman, and Zink might not have had enough oomph to take him over. Um,
0: Interesting.
1: So in Era 2, we see some additional blessings uh, gained by way of a foreign god medal, um... Which allows her to steal Alimantic and ferrochemical powers, um, but that's weird, and we'll get into that later. so there we go i I finally did the thing I was supposed to do like three episodes ago.
0: Good job
1: Yay, me. um I don't know that we have a whole lot going on in these chapters. um I am excited to see Melan because she's but, yes. great in in era two. As, uh, I mean, functionally, she is, she's Wayne's girlfriend at this point. Like, they have a legitimate, um, relationship going on, right?
0: Uh, yeah? That's one word for it.
1: I mean, Wayne's involved, so it's, it's gonna be weird regardless.
0: That's true. That is very true.
1: And sometimes she's a boy. And Wayne's into that.
0: Yeah, he just goes right along with it. Wayne is delightful. Like, Milan is great, but Wayne is my favorite character.
1: Wayne is pretty wonderful. Because, you know, sometimes he has to be a little old lady, and he needs the right hat for that. And shoes. The shoes are very important as well. But not as important as the hat. You gotta get the hat.
0: And you gotta get the accent right, too.
1: Indeed. Um, hey, when should we talk to Dave about Hoyt?
0: Ooh, that is a good question. Um...
1: Like this I'd... is this is I think a good book to bring it up in because this is this is really like our this series is sort of our Cosmere 101 right like like well, this is the real introduction to the
0: Cosmere. I kind of feel like if we were to read Mistborn: Secret History, that would be a great time to bring it up because he features prominently in that story.
1: Uh, but Mistborn: Secret History is not showing up for. A while. A while,
0: right. Uh, gosh, and I pretty, don't know. I,
1: actually, I'm pretty sure it came out after Way of Kings. I could look this up, but I don't want to. Um, which, at that point, we've already got Hoyd well-established as Wit. And at that point, he's like a fairly major character.
0: Well, I, what do you think is going to be more fun if we say, Oh, by the way, this guy turns up a lot. Keep an eye out for him. Or... We wait until he actually shows up, like, as a legit character, and then tell Dave, by the way, this guy has been here before. Go back and look for him.
1: I like that first one better. I mean, just because in these in these early um, appearances, like, two out of the three Mistborn appearances, he's not even named. Um, he wasn't named originally in Elantris, but he got named in the, like, later editions. Um, so really all you'd have to go with is a vague description or no description at all and just being told after the fact that, yeah, that was him. Um, and then, like, he shows up again in Warbreaker, but at that point, like, we've got so much time between these things that if it's not pointed out, you're probably not even going to spot it.
0: Yeah. I don't know. Maybe we should have have the Hoyt talk now.
1: Well, I mean... During this book is what I was sort of proposing. Uh, maybe right. when...
0: When Hoyd appears.
1: When Hoyd shows up again, which I'm going to have to look that up to see exactly when that is in this book. Because again, he doesn't... He's not named in this one. I want to say he was a an informant again, but then gets a bad feeling and like leaves him alone and doesn't ever talk to him. In this book, I want to say is, is when that was. Ah, yeah, here we go. Um, chapter 27 is when that happens. So we've got even a little bit before, before that's a thing in here, but I feel like that's going to be a good time to talk about Hoyd. And if you don't talk to your Dave about Hoyd, who
0: will? Who will?
1: So, all right. Uh, do you have anything else?
0: Um, so I don't know that we talked about the, um, the math behind the mist killing the people. Like, I don't think that has come up yet, um, though in chapter eight they they mention it a lot.
1: Do they mention just, the specific math or do they just mention that people get people step out into the mist and start and start having seizures?
0: Um, so they mention, okay, there are this many villagers, this many will be affected by the mists, and this many will die from it. And 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 Ven is thinking about all of those numbers before the event happens. So like it's it's happened enough that they know the percentages at this point.
1: Oh well, wasn't that's... it that the the dying wasn't really part of it? Like that wasn't consistent, that just hit like the the elderly or the very young or like some people who were already sick. Right. So like the the death toll wasn't wasn't consistent, but the like, this this percentage will get the shakes, and then this percentage of this percentage will get, like, the m- hit much, much harder.
0: Yeah, but just that, that they have it down to a percentage. Like, they know how many people approximately in a crowd will be affected by the mist, and we still don't know why.
1: I want to say that there is a chapter that happens where there... Wasn't it there the uh, the happy obligator Norden? Isn't he the one who talks about it? And he like brings up like the very specific numbers and I'm scrolling through the chapter summaries and I'm finding nothing.
0: I uh, I dimly recall that. And dimly. Just, just that because like, he's morning green
1: very explicit numbers of like, well, when this many people did, exactly this many people got 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 and it's it's a weird pattern and i'm not finding it
0: now see i remember the first time i read the book when it was like oh my gosh it's 116th and that's that's significant and i was like no wait hang on there wait how many medals are there there are 16 medals like i was confused um but yeah,
1: but Dave has already worked out Dave, that. Yeah,
0: that's what I was going to say. Like he's already got charts and graphs that he's made in Paint. He's so artistic, our Dave. Um, <laughs> and um, like he's already figured out that how many metals there are, and he's speculating on what they do. And so, like, I, I think he's going to cotton onto the math. Uh,
1: I mean, math is is one of his passions, so it would not surprise me.
0: Well, I mean, clearly it's not vocabulary.
1: Vocabulistics. Bivouac. I'm wondering how much longer it's going to take him to figure out that, uh, the epigraphs are not, um, Vin from when she entered the Well of Ascension at the end of the last book.
0: Right. Uh, we've already, at this point, or maybe it's the next chapter, um, one of them specifically says blah blah ellen blah blah so we know that whoever's talking is probably not ellen
1: yeah i'm just I don't sort have... of scroll, scrolling through them and i'm not finding anything for a while that would actually disprove his theory like knowing who it who and what it is um like you can go back and reread it and it totally makes sense but yeah, going into it with the theory that it's Vin from when she entered the Well of Ascension, I mean, there there is stuff in here that she definitely doesn't know about, but that doesn't necessarily disprove anything. She could have learned stuff in there and then forgotten it. So, I don't know. I think, I think that one might actually still work for Dave. Or at least it'll take him longer to figure it out than we had originally figured, which I thought he'd get it right away.
0: Well, and as I'm listening to the audiobook, I know we said it seemed obvious that that was Sazed's voice reading those sections, but in the early chapters, not so much. Like, the voice gets more prominent as we go on, but it was kind of a neutral voice to start with.
1: Uh, I mean, go back and re-listen to that. I am, unfortunately, the Hero of Ages, and that's 100% Sazed's voice.
0: Yeah, that one is, but the chapters between here and there, they've seemed pretty tame.
1: Well, I mean, mostly they're they're filling in as just exposition and like, alright, I've got this this new thing that we're doing and it needs explanation, so I don't have a better place to do it. Here you go. Can I, th- I, th- I think we're good to, to finish up for the day.
0: Okay, good. <laughs> Sorry.
1: Um, yeah. So, I've been
0: awake for a long time.
1: I have not. Um,
0: sorry we're right, both we're gonna, in the same condition for it.
1: We're we're gonna call it here. Um, okay. Sorry for the morning brain, everybody. Hope you enjoyed the episode, regardless. Um, have a good one.
0: Have a good day, Internet. This has been the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at, at @cosmerecast or like us on Facebook. Our theme music is Traveling Made-Up Continents by Gillicuddy, used with permission. Hear more from him at the Free Music Archive. Thanks for listening.